pick a window. Wow. I don't know about the costume, but that's some set of wheels. Hi, I'm Marv Wolfman, and you're listening to the world's greatest comic book podcast. You're listening to the world's greatest comic book podcast, and I am your host, the radioactive professor of all things comic book, J.C. Carter. Joining me today on the show, my super friends, in the north, our punk pixie, Miss Jocelyn Christensen. Hi, guys. And on the bridge of his own private enterprise, our very own Admiral James Tiberius Batman, Larry Go, Jeff you Bell. Reds! Go! <laughs> sports! Sports! Sport. I'm full of sport. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't put the S on the end in Britain, so it's sport, sport. <laughs> also a good nickname. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I remember that from watching the old Monty Pythons because they did a thing where they were making fun of BBC, you know, the lineup or something. And they're like, and of course, there's sport. And they just kept <laughs> repeating that every, like, they do something else. Say, and of course, sport. Because that was, yeah, everybody wants to watch the sport. <laughs> and sport can be anything. Anything British, that is, obviously. Not, I was you know, say. So, yeah, just for American context. Sport. So, I'm. Um... In the background, quietly muted, I've got the mm-hmm. uh, Wrexham versus Shrewsbury uh, playing in the FA Cup. Uh, right. Wrexham is League Two, Shrewsbury is League One, which means Ooh. they're in a higher league, and Wrexham is ahead one nil. And oh. as I have learned from watching the crowd, it does like this: you go one, and you go nil, and you go like that. I like it. I like it. Yeah. These yeah. these Brits sure know how to sport. They do. Yeah. They All do. Right. And it's it's quite it's quite fun to watch the, the fans even more so sometimes than the the sport itself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't know how this game turned out. All I know is that there's like ten minutes of game time left and yet there's 40 more minutes on the broadcast which makes me think it's going to a penalty shootout <laughs> which freaks me out or there's a lot of breaks for injuries it's uh not really they've just been more yellow cards than injury stop time it's been it's been a very physical game physical yeah. so there you oh. have there you have mr reynolds yes with mr jackman Yes. And the caption is watching Wrexham AFC in the Emirates FA Cup with Prisoner 24601. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you, you know, you know, I guess. I guess. <laughs> 24601. <laughs> All right. Uh, how's that how's stopped the everything? This week? That dragged yeah. us right to a fucking stop, didn't it? <laughs> Oh, music theater? No, thank you. I'm we will here. not be discussing that. I'm thinking about a, a little drop of rain. There you are. It can hardly hurt me now. <laughs> <laughs> You're here. That's all I need to know. Thank you. Acting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we should talk about comic books or some shit. Hey, we yeah. probably should. Let's dive into some news. News it is. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. David Soul, Starsky and Stutch Hart, uh, star, uh, dead at 80. Dead at 80. Yep. And I, just the picture that they used, it looks like this is where Donald Trump got his hair inspiration. It is. <laughs> what a mop that is. Uh, anyway, David Soule, uh, best known for his role in the popular 1970s television series Starsky and Hutch, has died, uh, his wife announced in a statement to CNN. 80 years old, David Soule, beloved husband, father, grandfather, and brother, died yesterday, 4 January, after a valiant battle uh, for life in the loving company of family. He shared many extraordinary gifts in the world as an actor, singer, storyteller, creative artist, and dear friend. 
His mm-hmm. smile, laughter, and passion for life will be remembered by the many whose lives he touched. No cause of death has been uh, shared, but my guess is he's 80. He's 80, right. and he was a smoker uh, for a good chunk of his life. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, and um, whatever hair products he was wearing. Yeah. Back then. <laughs> Clearly. Um, uh, for those who are wondering, he was Hutch of Starsky and Hutch. Um, so he's the blonde guy with the uh, always wearing the brown jacket. Um, but he does have a Star Trek connection. In the original series, there was that weird planet they went to where everybody kind of were, they were pretty blonde savages. And then mm. they had a big lizard cave that, you know, controlled them. It was a, it was a big giant computer lizard headed, lizard headed cave. And uh, he was one of the, he was one of the bl- pretty blonde people, obviously. So, yeah. Wow. He wasn't the main one. The main one that Kirk smacks and he just starts crying. And I was like, I can relate. That's... <laughs> it is. Oops, All right, we are we are checking back cry. in on the Wrexham game. Yes. All right. Uh, we have finished normal playtime. We are now in injury and delay time of six minutes. Wrexham mm-hmm. is still ahead, one nothing against one Shrewsbury. So Thank Shrewsbury, you for the update. Yep. Still has a chance to score. Come on, pass it to Mullen. <laughs> Yeesh. Uh, Glynis Johns. Glynis. What a wonderful name, Glynis. Yes. Glynis Johns, <laughs> who played life. Mrs. Banks in Mary Poppins, dead at 100. Bless her heart. Called the last of old Hollywood. What's a, what's a hell of a thing to say to a 100-year-old? Yeah, no yep. kidding. Boy, you're old Hollywood. Thank you. Well aware. <laughs> I'm dying now because I'm 100. A 100. Tony Award-winning stage and screen star, Glynis Johns, played the mother opposite Julie Andrews in the classic movie Mary Poppins, introduced the world to the bittersweet standard to be Send in the Clowns by Sondheim. Mm-hmm. She was the first to sing that on stage, 100 years old. Has mm-hmm. died. Uh, Mitch Clem, her manager, said she died Thursday at an assisted living home in Los Angeles of natural causes. Today's a sad day for Hollywood. She is the last of the last of the old Hollywood. Yep. Yeah. Last of the classic stars. Yep. She was. And they had they had to hire the nanny. And they had to hire Mary Poppins as a nanny because she was busy out getting votes for women. Yep. And Mary Poppins. Votes for women. Yep. She was she was doing suffrage. Suffrage. <laughs> Solidarity Su- and suffrage. Suffrage, you know. Suffering. Um, Black Panther actress and stuntswoman Carrie Bernans seriously injured in a hit-and-run accident. Mm -hmm. Uh, Details about the accident were shared in a post on her Instagram page written by her mother, Patricia. Post noted uh, that Bernans and a friend were walking by a food stand uh, New Year's Day when a driver struck her, um, immediately knocking her unconscious and trapping her underneath the stand. Meanwhile, the driver attempted to flee before he was arrested by police, ultimately injuring nine people. Jeez Louise. Bernans wound up with multiple broken bones and chipped teeth. Oh, my. Oh, mm-hmm. she's the picture. Oh, yeah. Her poor face. Yeah. Oh. yeah. She's if grateful you, you, to be alive. To, if you go to the comicbookpodcast.com, click on the link, and then there's a link in the article to go to the Instagram post. It's horrific. Let's just say that. It's horrific. Her mom did not shy away from taking the photos. Nope. Of, no. of how bad of how bad Carrie was messed up. So yeah, it's pretty horrific. A poor woman. Mm-hmm. Uh. Looks hurty. Yep. Yeah, it does. Anyway, that's it, it for the news. It tells me she it tells me she slammed her face into something when he hit her. I'm like, thinking oh, the hot man. dog cart. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Or the pavement. I mean anything. Yeah. Alright, that's uh, it for the news. Okay. So we'll take a break and when we come back. We'll check in on Wrexham and talk some moving pictures. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. I am hunger in America. 
Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Elena Huffman, Abaddon on Supernatural, and you are listening to the world's greatest comic book podcast. nothing wrong with your television. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. How's Wrexham doing? Uh, still 1-0. We're now three minutes into stoppage time. Four minutes into stoppage time, of which we have maybe six. Uh, this is great. If they win this, I do believe they go on to the FA Cup quarterfinals. That's well, were, exciting. One of the things they talked about, I think, in the last series of the docu of the docu series, that was that Wrexham was famous for spoiling everybody's FA Cup. Yeah. Because they go up team, they go up against teams that are way that are literally out of their league, and they just defeat them every time. They were just they were famous for defeating them. So, yeah. Oop, oop, Shrewsbury almost had it, bounced off the bounced off the post. Oh, went left instead of right. Did not score a goal. Oh my god, I'm on the edge of my seat. This is how <laughs> sportsy people feel. I get it. I kind of get it. You understand this, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's- it's it's a it's a thrilling thing to have that going on, yeah. Especially this particular sport, I I don't know what it happened, but by God, I like it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you're you're ready for the move to Britain. That's all there is to it. Yep. Yeah, minus I found the, I found on sixty thousand in savings and you know being able to do work that nobody else there can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is American politics. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, I found on uh, Paramount Plus the Scottish Football League, Scottish National Football League. Yes, and um, I have to admit that the the camera work is pretty shitty, mm-hmm. but it is more fun to listen to Scottish commentators talking about Scottish football than it is to listen to British commentators talk about any kind of football. You know, they're all like this, and every once in a while, they're, oh, go, look at that. Oh, they're playing well, they're playing poorly. It's this, that, and the other. It's show some spunk. You know, and then they get down into the Scottish League, and it's like, oh, Jesus, his mother must be weeping for want of another son. <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, it's just fucking great. So I've really been enjoying more of the commentation than the, than the, the camera work. So, yep. I imagine it would be. Yeah. And go and go uh, Celtics. Or Celtics. Yep. Celtics Celtics play basketball. Celtics yeah, Celtics play basketball. Cal- Celtics play football. I did uh I did uh well they played against Dundee mm-hmm. uh about 2 weeks ago and that was a very exciting match. I found myself swinging more towards Dundee cuz they were the underdog. Well, they would be, yeah. 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 Let's move on. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's talk about, well, apart from uh, the FA Cup, what else have you been watching on TV this week, Jeff? Uh, you know what? We'll take a look. Uh, I did a rewatch of The Defenders uh, nice. for shits and giggles. I will probably now have to watch season three of Daredevil again because that's where The Defenders ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the shop, we threw on Iron Fist uh, because of the four Netflix um, shows, that they made for Marvel, five, I guess, with the Defenders. Uh, that's the one with the least uh, boobs and swearing. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, Wrexham wins. One nil. One nil. <laughs> against Shrewsbury. A very small well part of the audience in attendance uh, belonging to the Wrexham fans are going apeshit. I'm Naturally. sure. Yep. Naturally. There's Mullen doing his little classic cheer at the end. Oh. Well done, Phil Parkinson and the boys. I can shut this off now. That's, right. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right, soccer's done. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. All right. We do enjoy the football. Yeah. How about you, Joss? What you been watching? Um, I got to watch the Doctor Who Christmas special. Um, so that was delightful and lovely and introduced us to our new doctor and maybe our new companion. We will have so, a conversation about this in the in uh, Patreon. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and then I, my Friday nights, I'm spending with my mom. We watched the first few episodes of What If, and I mean, they're What If episodes. They're charming and cute and delightful and just fun. I loved um, them. And then, I had a great time with What If this season. 
Yeah. yeah. And I'll give you that if you only watch the first three, I, I was feeling the same way. <laughs> um, it's when I get when you get to the uh, Mohawk one, um, oh. where you're, you're gonna say, "Oh," and then the finale, which I watched this week, you'll be able to say, "Oh." So yeah. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yep. Um, and then just because I didn't have anything else to put on last night and didn't know what to watch, I did a halfway mostly through shield rewatch because mm-hmm. i wanted something just lighthearted and fun and that was it for me mm-hmm. so still i still love tatiana maslani in that role i think she did such a great job she's delightful i've never seen her be bad in anything that is true yeah that is a true statement as well so how about you sir what'd you watch this week uh well so for hogmanay uh new year's eve um both kids left to go um, break the law. Yeah. Well, Angus apparently went and uh, he he pre-gamed before he left, drinking some tequila, got to the club, drank some more, got kicked out of the club for throwing up. Oh. Does he make eye contact with you when he drinks the tequila? Like, look what I can do that you can't, old man. (laughs) (laughs) I could drink the garbage liquid. And I'm just like, yeah, now you've learned the lesson of tequila. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the course of that, he lost his glasses. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but meanwhile, yeah, my daughter Moira also went to a friend's for New Year's. So uh, at that point, Michelle and I didn't really feel like building a fire outside or any of the stuff that we would normally do. So we just sort of ate and drank and watched New Year's Rock and Eve. Wow! Yeah, they still do that. Yeah, it's still and, called the uh, Dick the... Clark. Yeah, they still they still have no. Dick Clark's name attached to it. Yeah, Dick Clark's they name do? is still attached to it, but they have uh, what's his name? Uh, Ryan Seacrest is the host, um, along with other people. And they kept cutting back to a party in L.A., which was a giant concert with different bands and groups. The band that was playing. In L.A. made me very happy. You know, they did like three different comebacks to them. It was Green Day three different times. They performed songs from American Idiot because this year that album is 20 years old. Oh. And Billy Joe Armstrong got everybody's panties in a twist on the internet because uh, there's a line in the song American Idiot where it says, I don't want to be a part of a redneck agenda. He changed it on stage live. On New Year's Rocket Eve, when everybody, you know, who isn't somewhere else is watching television, and he changed it to, I don't want to be part of a MAGA agenda. Oh, nice. And I like it. Boy did boy, did the dipshits get bent, as it were, on uh, on social media. We thought I thought that was delightful. I'm like, you do realize Green Day is not on your side. It's like when they complained about Rage Against the Machine, we're like, exactly what machine were, do you think they were raging against, dummy? It'd be um, it'd be you, redneck. It'd be you, right yeah. winger. I think they did two new songs from their new album that's about to be that's coming out that just is coming out this year, and then uh, two songs from Dookie, which is thirty years old. And I got to tell you, I don't know what diet he's got, what genetics he's got, or what great plastic surgeon he's got. Billy Joe Armstrong does not look any different. <laughs> Whereas Matt and Trey, you, they would they would cut to them, and I'm like, they look like me. They're old. <laughs> Billy Joe still looks as young as my son. <laughs> and he's as old as I am, or just around that my age. Maybe as old as Jeff or Mikey is, but yeah, it's just, yeah, he, I know he's in his 50s. He doesn't look it. Uh, then um, my wife bought a, uh, she had to buy it on DVD. We couldn't find it streaming anywhere unless we wanted to really pay for it. Um, it's a movie called Pride. And so we figure if we're going to, if we got to pay for it, we're just going to buy it, you know, get it on DVD or Blu-ray. Um, it's a movie called Pride. It was from 2014, 2015, I think. Um, it's about uh, a young man who, uh, a gay young man living in uh, Britain, in, in, outside of London, uh, in the 1984 Pride Parade in London. Which was still a new thing and still very controversial, as you would you can imagine. 
um, decided to that because there was also a major coal strike in Britain at the time uh, to carry buckets saying support the miners to collect money. And they collected so much money, I think it was like 200 quid they collected, which was a lot of money in 84. Uh, they, they try finding someone to take them, take their money. But as soon as they say, yeah, we're gays and lesbians or lesbians and gays support the minors. And they, as soon as they heard these lesbians and gays, they just, they would hang up on them, these unions. So finally they decided, well, let's just reach out to the towns where they're most affected. So they found this town in Wales, wound up calling the auxiliary, the, the women's auxiliary who they were like, oh, we, we'd be happy to take your money. But then it becomes this whole thing, and you've got Imelda Staunton just kicking ass all the way through it. Uh, you've got Bill Nighy kicking ass all the way through it. Um, it's just a fantastic little film. So if you ever get a chance to see it, it's called Pride. Um, yeah, brilliant. And then, of course, uh, finished off with What If, uh, the final episode. I loved it. Um, tied Just like the last one, like series one, it ties everything kind of back together. But not completely, which is nice, too. Um, and then uh, I will say I I was... Well, no, I talked about 1602 last week. How I was a little <laughs> disappointed in the 1602 episode. But not that disappointed. I still enjoyed it. I was just like, ah, that's not what I remember reading by Neil Gaiman. Um, and then finally, uh, I would have watched Monarch and Reacher. But as I said, Angus lost his glasses. And I watch it with him. So he can't see it. <laughs> We're not going to watch it. <laughs> I did. I got, I'm caught up on Monarch now. Mm-hmm. Um, all I remember about the episode was I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, probably need to watch it again. I think I was a little high when I watched it, but yeah, we got caught up on Monarch as well. Yeah. Really this enjoying the, the hell out of that show. We were fully caught up on Monarch and Reacher prior to New Year's Eve. And then he goes and loses his glasses and I'm like, well, I guess we'll be behind again. <laughs> Rude. Um, all right, let's dive into some moving picture news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Seth MacFarlane gave a little bit of hope to Orville fans. Um, <laughs> all talking about whether or not they're going to get a season four. Season three wrapped up like a series finale, uh, especially in the title, Future Unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's been no new Orville episodes for more than a year. Uh, and the fan base is making noise on social media. Uh, now creator and star Seth MacFarlane has offered some fresh hope. All I can tell you, he says, <laughs> uh, is that there is no official death certificate for the Orville. It's still with us. I can't go any further than that at the moment. There are too many factors. Uh, I do know that we are still talking about it. I know Seth wants to do it, and that usually holds a lot of power. Um, I guess I hope he gets, uh, to become, it's one of his babies that he just loves and it's a blast to work on. That's it. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, even, um, because the death sentence was, was called out when, uh, um, Adrian Pilecki did the, um, Inside of You podcast with, uh, Rosenbaum. Uh, yeah. Mike, Michael Rosenbaum. And, uh, he said, he was started talking about the Orville. She goes, oh, that's all over with. He says, really? She said, well, it might come back. Seth never lets anything go, so it might come back. And she said the problem was that Seth wanted to write everything himself and do it all himself, so it took a long time. She said, we shot this many – we shot three – it took us six years to film three seasons. And when you do that, you can't take other work. And, uh, like, the guy uh, – the one, the, uh, one of the actors she talked about had was living on saltines because there just was not any money coming in. And mm. the studio wasn't giving them any, you know, this, the distribution company or the, neither the distribution company or the studio was giving them any kind of stipend to see them through while they were working on the working on the thing. So, yeah. I'm glad he can do it. I hope he can make it happen again. But, yeah, they got to do something to keep everybody alive. <laughs> you know, yeah, no do kidding. It. Yeah, uh, let's see, what do we got, what's next? Oh, um, lots of new noise about the Paramount-Warner Brother Discovery merger. Uh, it sounds like just the reports are of a negotiation between Paramount and Warner Brothers Discovery. 
the two studios may merge. A merger is part of a larger problem with media consolidation, but it's also bad news for Star Trek and its new renaissance. Yeah, if consumed by Warner Brothers Discovery, Star Trek will become much less important to its home studio, especially if it's looking to make cuts and save money, which seems to be all that fucking Warner Brothers can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, the chance of... It's, it's likely they'll... They, well... It's possible they'll do the uh, Section 31 uh, mini trek or long trek, whatever they want to call it. Basically, it's a movie, streaming movie, um, with Michelle because it stars Michelle Yeoh. But it's so niche, being Section 31, there's a good chance they could write it off, you know? Yep. Uh, or just decide not to do it. Um, we already saw that they the Paramount itself said, "Well, we're not going to continue with this." Uh, we're not going to continue funding this uh, uh, Star Trek um, uh, prodigy. But fortunately, Netflix came in and bought it up. Also, meanwhile, I'm noticing a lot of the DC movies and series are on Netflix right now. They got Some, almost all of them. Yeah, they've been moved over there. I think you can still find them on Max, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them slowly disappear from there and show up on Netflix. So Let Netflix play the residuals instead of Max. I mean, that's just kind of their exactly. whole goddamn thing is yeah. saving money by not issuing product. Now, on the plus side, that would give a new home in a lot of ways to shows like Discovery and um, uh, Strange New Worlds and Picard. Well, I'm, I'm specifically thinking Picard and Discovery because those are both done. But you could only watch them if you had Paramount Plus. And more people have like a Netflix subscription than they have a Paramount Plus subscription. So if those move to Netflix, that's a that breathes new life into it. Just like when they suddenly put Deep Space Nine on Netflix, all of a sudden all the Deep Space Nine cast were like, everybody's talking to me about Deep Space Nine again. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I almost forgot about that show, and now it's this renaissance. And they, you know, you'll see Nana visitors show up and just talk and talk and talk about her time on Deep Space Nine and Armin Shimmerman and all these other guys, and uh, how much they enjoyed working on it. But and it got a renaissance, you know, because of because of that. Uh, but yeah, so it'd be it'll be interesting to see Discovery. I think if you binge Discovery in that way you you have a better you have a better viewing experience because it is a a long trek basically um it's serialized so yeah it'd be interesting to see how that all how those two series work because they didn't do as well as paramount thought they would except for picard season three so yeah yeah anyway long depressing article jump over to the comicbookpodcast.com and give that a read yep uh what if Season three got a trailer already. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of like the first scene of a of, a, of the first episode kind of look, but it looks yeah. like fun. Yeah. Um, like Stephen Ewan has left Marvel's Thunderbolts movie. He was going to play the Sentry, um, but the strike threw off his schedule. Says mm-hmm. he can't do it, but he really, really wants to be part of the MCU. Seems to me like you just had a chance, Sport. Yeah, right. to me, I'd be like, what's that other show? I'm going to go do this. Yeah. <laughs> I get to play the Sentry and be part of the MCU. I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, there it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead star rumored to potentially replace Jonathan Majors. Um, it's it's not really anything more than um, rumor this at this guy? point. But uh, it's Coleman Domingo has been eyed as a potential replacement for Majors as Kang. Um, he's, he's a badass-looking dude, you know, yeah. and again... You know, Don Cheadle and what's-his-name don't look anything alike. There's no reason this guy has to either. No. Right. No. You don't have to explain anything. We didn't We didn't explain Don Cheadle suddenly taking over the role of Rhodey. So, yeah, just, just let it be. We can have we can have Kang, and he can be whoever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 
So anyway, that's one of the articles attached to this article is no Marvel Studios doesn't need to explain a Kang recast. No, they don't. They just need to do it. Just pop up and pop up and go, Who are you? I'm Kang. Done. If he shows up if he shows up in the armor, you know, and they could even start him in the faceplate arm you know, the faceplate part of the armor. And then he then it, then the the whole thing could peel back because it's all futuristic thirtieth century tech. Could all peel back and then it's it's him underneath. And uh, you know, we just we'll be like Kang. That's Kang. You know? All right, the dumbest article of the week in this pop culture universe we live in <laughs> follows the headline exclamation points all over. Marvel insiders confirm Joss Whedon broke the one rule Samuel L. Jackson had for Nick Fury. <laughs> and I'm going to just summary this really quick. Basically, the rule was no running. Yeah. And then Joss Whedon wrote running into the script and Samuel L. Jackson's like, what the fuck motherfucker. And Joss Whedon went, it's just once. And Samuel L. Jackson went, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. That's it. That's the story. <laughs> right. And so he That's did. Story. Yeah. He, he ran down a hallway with a rocket launcher mm-hmm. and the world shook. Whatever. Look, there's a lot of legitimate reasons to go after Whedon. This one was dumb. That was dumb, but no, I liked I liked it. And I, I reading it, I was like, oh, so I, I'm trying to picture the actor's point of view of it. I'm like, is Sam just not wanting to run because he's old? Yep. Or yeah. is it, or is it that he also sees Nick Fury as always being so many moves ahead? He doesn't need to be in a hurry for anything. He can just walk. He can just walk to it because he's already got a contingency plan in place. That's kind of how I was thinking. Like, I mean, obviously, it's probably both. He doesn't want to run because he's old. And he was like, well, wouldn't he have already a contingency plan in place? So he, he was probably thinking more like, well, the rocket launcher would be in a cabinet. You just walk over, open it up, pull out the rocket launcher instead of running down a hallway with a rocket launcher. So, yeah. Anyway, that's it for the news. All right, we'll take another break. And when we come back, we're talking comics. Peter Davison, I played the fifth doctor, and you're listening to the world's greatest comic book podcast. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to me on the world's greatest comic book podcast. Wah, wah, wah! Let's do the comic book news. It is time for the comic book news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? Let's uh, have the good news first. Greg Capullo has revealed that he'll be drawing Wolverine in 2024. I think he unintentionally revealed it. Regardless, (laughs) good fucking news. I am very happy about it. Never mind that, you know, I don't care. I'm very happy about it. But yeah, it's funny because he was like, I can't really tell you what this is, but here's a page. And this is the only one I could show you. And uh, and then up at the you can see right at the top, there's you know in text Wolverine, yep. you know the top <laughs> of his page. I was like, whoopsie. Um, this page. You remember Bambi versus Godzilla? Yeah, that little cartoon thing used to crack us up back in the eighties. Yep. Maybe Justice never saw it, but I, uh, I do not know what you are speaking of, sir. Oh but my God. Go on. So this, was, this was a classic animated, um, classically animated, just pencil sketch or pen or pen and ink sketch, and it starts out with little Bambi in a little idyllic uh, thing, uh, you know, forest scene, just eating grass, and it's just constantly kind of doing repeating that motion. And Bambi had looked up, look around, and then go back down eating, and there's this you know tranquil music playing and then all of a sudden godzilla's foot comes right down on top of bambi Woo! boom and that was it that was the that was the, the end that was, 
the end. The end. It comes up as the end. It was Bambi versus Godzilla. So uh, the last panel of that was the dinosaur foot coming down. And I was like, <laughs> Bambi versus Godzilla. Well done, Capullo. <laughs> nice. That's funny. That is funny. Uh, then the bad news. Uh, ugh. If you can't tell by those particular set of noises, Ike Perlmutter's back, and he brought friends. Yep. Um, yeah, but last year when Disney head Bob Iger laid off... Perlmutter. And I got to tell you, dealing with Marvel this last year that he's been gone has been nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, in true comic book fashion, Ike is back and he's brought his own super team along with the goal of taking over the Disney board to get it back on what he considers on track. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, activist investor Nielsen Pets, Nelson Pets, Pelts. 81-year-old billionaire, part of the last winter's takeover attempt. They got a new ally with its own formidable powers. Former Disney CFO Jay Rasulo, uh, once a potential successor to Iger, but left the company in 2015 when that didn't work out. Took his ball and went home, and now he's bringing his ball back with his buddies to buy the field and turn it into an oil derrick. I'm mean, mm. that's how this movie works, right? Yep. It's like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's like the Muppet movie. That's all. They're just going to tear down the Muppet Theater here. <laughs> By which I mean Marvel. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we get Perlmutter back. That means we're back to no backstock whatsoever for Marvel, which really, really hurts mom and pop brick and mortar stores. Yep. You know, it's just people want to buy shit to read and they can't mm-hmm. get it. So they just don't buy. Right, it, it, the comic book readers are the hardest people to get to try new shit. Mm-hmm. You know, the the easiest way to do that is to give it to them for free, which is a shitty, silly way to do business. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just really what it comes down to. So, well, on, a, on top of it, I mean, you have, you know, I can imagine, especially when it comes to trades, people walk in looking for a very specific trade. Yep. If you don't have it on the shelf, they walk out. Well, and your yeah, no. your shipping time, your turnaround on comic book ordering, if it's especially if it's coming through Diamond, is at least two weeks. Mm-hmm. And people are like, "Oh, I can get it on Amazon and have it like tonight or tomorrow," you know. And so they they yeah. consider their due diligence done, and then mm-hmm. they get it overnight anyway. So yeah, right. yeah Perlmutter's bad for comic book shops. He's just he's been bad. He will be bad. He continues to be bad. He's just bad, and I hate him. And I'm pissed he's back uh and i hope that they take care of him in a judicious way but in the meantime that is it for the news good and bad well then uh let's talk about what we've been reading this week Joss, i sat down um and and was going to try and get through what i have so far for gang war and read one spider-man issue and went what because <laughs> i haven't been reading spider-man i've had it in my hold forever and i haven't been reading it so i'm so far behind i'm clueless but mm-hmm. i'm going to make a concerted effort to push through so then after i read that and i was so confused i picked up my trade paperback that i bought recently of indigo children and did manage to get the first it would have been the first issue of that read um and and delightful i'm so intrigued mm-hmm. by this story to see where it's gonna go um yeah, so that was fun. That was a fun one, at least. How about you, Jeff? What did you get read this week? Not a goddamn thing. I have been busy as shit all week and have not had time to read anything. My apologies. So I'll pass the time over to Brother Carter. Okay. Uh, so this week, uh, picked up the stack. It was slim pickings this week. It was kind of a light week. Um, but I did read Shazam number seven. Shazam versus Black Adam. Who would win in a fight between Shazam and the new Black Adam? Well, apparently Billy loses. <laughs> We're not talking about the captain, you know, uh, who I will always call Captain Marvel in my mind. Um, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about Billy. There, there. A big mistake is made and Billy loses. There is a brilliant moment at the beginning. So 
basically the whole first arc was about um, Billy dealing with the gods who give him his powers because they want him to be their avatar on Earth and they don't feel he's living up to their potential. So they, they interfere and wind up messing everything up for him. Meanwhile, Solomon, the only one who's not a god among all of them, um, helps Billy, and they were they're able to defeat these gods and get them under and get everything under control. So Solomon, as a gift, pumps up Billy's wisdom, to which Mary was like, "That will kill him. That will that will eventually separate the, his personality." And 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 Billy's like, "No, do it." And I'm over here going, "Do it, do it." Billy and Cap and Captain Marvel should feel like two different people. Um. And so anyway, in this one, he's he's he suddenly get right the very first page. He's attacked by Bizarro Shazam, and he's like, "This isn't right." And he so he's like, he's like, "Okay, well you, I I won't say your name backwards, or I'll say your name backwards." And Shazam, you know, because he knows that Bizarro does the opposite of everything, and uh, Bizarro says, "Oh, I will, Matt." Masms or smasm or whatever and uh it doesn't work so he's like okay well if you're the opposite of me that means you don't have the wisdom of solomon so you're dumb and you don't have the strength of hercules you're as weak as a kitten and you don't have the uh stamina of achilles or the speed of mercury so you can't fly and it was just funny and they finally gets him to shut down and tell him it was felix faust who was doing it who created it to to keep him away I thought it was funny as hell, and it was such a great moment of Captain Marvel just going, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't right. Um, and then, uh, so that was just fun. That was just fun. And speaking of fun, we also had Doctor Strange number 11. Uh, this is a classic trope, but it was fun to read it. Uh, basically, you know, Strange and Clea are... Clea has has petitioned her mother to allow her to kind of look after her baby sister every now and then and to have her visit. And so they're spending time. And of course, the baby sister, magical baby sister wanders off at a a circus or at a carnival and they can't find her. The baby wanders right into the circus of a brand new circus of crime, which were delightfully written. They were hilarious all the way through. Um, at least the two of the members of the Circus of Crime were hilarious. The other one was kind of, I'm like, you're just there because they needed a fourth person, I think. Um, but yeah, it was delightful. And then, uh, it was that whole, oh God, we've got to get, we've got to get her back before my mother finds out kind of thing, you know, that trope. But I still enjoyed it. So good stuff there. But today is Tuesday. That means tomorrow's Wednesday. It's time to give our picks of the week. You only say hello so you can say goodbye. These two words must make your life complete. You pick out the hearts that break to make your ego high. And I was just your... What are you looking forward to this week? Let's start with Joss. Well, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but it's coming out, so it's going to be in my hold. That is Daredevil Gang War number two. Now, Daredevil Gang War number one is in my stack of Gang War comics to read, Mm -hmm. you guys. It's been... Like, this was the worst time of year for Marvel to decide to do a big crossover event. Because <laughs> nobody has time to read comic books in December. That's what I've determined. This was dumb, <laughs> and now I'm really far behind. But I'll pick it up, and I'll get through it like a good uh, kid would. How about you, Jeff? What are you picking up mainstream this week? Hmm, great question. I'm going to pick up Action Comics 1061. Um, it's Jason Aaron writing Superman. There you go. So I gave Bendis a shot. I can give Jason Aaron a shot, even though I'm not a big Superman fan. Uh, I will see what the hubbub is all about. Uh, Also coming out from Marvel, Rogue and Gambit Power Play. Uh, This one finally made it to trade. Uh, It's written by Stephanie Phillips. Uh, The illustrator was Carlos Gomez, uh, who is fucking amazing. So um, finally get to read this one. Never really got a chance when it came out in floppies, what feels like a couple of years ago, but what are you going to do? Yep. 
anyway, that's uh, that's my mainstream pick of the week. What about you, sir? Uh, I got two mainstream picks from Marvel Comics. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number one by Jonathan Hickman and Marco Chichetto. Ch- yeah, Chichetto. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, I, I can only speculate because they've really not said anything except for this is a new Ultimate Spider-Man. So I can only speculate as to what this is going to be. I guess we'll find out next week after I've read it what this is going to be. Um, and then from DC Comics, Titans Beast World number four. This is uh, in the midst of all this chaos. And after she took down the Titans in their own comic, uh, we get uh, we get Amanda Waller making her power play during the Beast mm-hmm. So this should be very interesting. Um, my indie picks this week... Uh, from Image Comics, Deep Cuts number four. I've been enjoying these Deep Cuts. They're a bit of a longer comic. Uh, they revolve around uh, jazz musicians, um, and they're going through time. This one hits us in 1956, and I've just enjoyed these by Kyle Higgins and Joseph Clark. So yeah, I wanna. I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, from Jean Luen Yang, who I think is just a great writer. Uh, when he's got a good artist backing him, uh, and this time his this time his uh, his artist backing him is uh, Lee Yuan Pham, and this is Lunar New Year a love story or Lunar New Year love story. Um, it's a rom com, uh, you know, about Valentine's Day, and uh, but also Lunar New Year coming at the same time. They're both basically it's these two. Uh, these two uh, young people who become who get meet as lion dancers, you know, for New, Chinese New Year and uh, fall in love. So it could be fun. And like I said, Jean Luen Lang, Jean Luen Yang, I just like his work. So, how about you, uh, Jeff? What is your indie pick? Adventure Man, Ghost Lights number one, taking a break from Monarch. Matt Fraction's back with another Adventure Man. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice to see Fraction writing again. Uh, and then from Massive Comics, Zorro, Man of the Dead, number one. Not really a reboot, but more like a flash to the future a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, it's Zorro, but it's intended for mature audiences. Are you fucking killing, kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, so Sean Murphy doing Zorro. I'm on board. Zorro! <laughs> I do. What about you, Jess? Nice. Um, I also am going to pick up Adventure Man Ghost Lights number one. Um, oh. Mostly just because of Matt Fraction. So why not? Because why wouldn't you? Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's jump into our TARDIS and give our picks of the future. <laughs> All right, what is your future pick for the month of March? What do you got, Joss? So from Image Comics, uh, Rick Remender is writing Napalm Lullaby. Uh, It's the series premiere, so number one issue comes out. It's an all-new, ongoing, dystopian epic with a special double-length feature issue. Uh, A child with unimaginable power is raised to believe he is God by a cult of zealots, utterly confident in the moral authority of their religion. The magnificent leader has imposed his will on humanity and created the ultimate theocracy. Join them or be cast out to suffer with the masses. (laughs) Seems intriguing. I kind of like the idea of a zealot. Let's read it and find out how it goes. How about you, Jeff? Uh, this one's called Don Coppola, from the creator of Quentin by Tarantino and Muhammad Ali. Comes volume two in his Cinetrinity of uh, graphic novels. Um, yeah, based on the life and times of acclaimed cinema icons, uh, this book focuses on the legendary Francis Ford Coppola. So not only do I have to read this, I have to go back and find Quentin. Yeah. By Tarantino yeah. and Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand it, but what the hell? 
Anyway, what about you? Uh, my pick is also from Image Comics. Uh, New Burn number 16. This is the series finale of New Burn. Um, this is by Chip Zdarsky and a- Amy Chase and Fabian Lillet. Um, with uh, some stuff by... Also, Jacob Phillips does the Zdarsky uh, story, the, the New Burn story. And this is it, man. This is the end of the whole New Burn run. At least we'll see where it goes. And maybe maybe they'll do New Burn 2 later on. But I do like a story, a good noir story that comes to a, an end. And it's gotten... I could tell we were coming up to an end because we've gotten to that, that turn in the story where everything starts going going badly and you don't know how the how the character is going to get out of it so yeah this looks like a lot of fun so i'm looking forward to that nice and i think that's it for us this week i believe Uh, it is yeah so news on the shaolin nun front um i reached out to my letterer and said uh when do you think you'll be done with the letters? And he said, can I bring you all of the, can I bring you all of my templates? And he said, you have Adobe Illustrator. I'm like, yeah, latest edition. He said, okay, can I bring you all my templates and show you what I do? And then you can just do it. I'm like, all right. So the bad news is I got to do all the lettering. The good news is I now have control and I can get this thing out before the end of the month, providing I can get the time to work on it. So, uh, I'll be devoting time pretty much every night to, uh, working on it and uh we'll see if we can't uh, get that book out to at least the digital copy out to every, in everybody's hands this month sweet because i'm like uh we are i was like I, I when i was texting him about it i said uh the 16th is when i launched the kickstarter for issue four we're a year getting this book done and i'm not happy about it because i had the pencils done Almost all the uh, 95 percent of the pencils were done when I launched the Kickstarter, and now I'm hitting one year, and we haven't even finished the book yet. So I'm like, "Ugh, this is killing me, guys." So we're gonna get, we're gonna, I'm gonna get every, I'm gonna crack the whip, get everybody on track. Plus, I'll probably be doing letters from now on for uh, Shell and Nun, so uh, I won't have to rush this. The next one, I can actually do it while I get when I get the pencils and inks in. Uh, so that's it. Uh, I will remind you to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash media. As we tease, we're going to be talking about the Doctor Who Christmas special in detail with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, see oh, it. Join us go on Patreon. watch it. Yes, go watch. watch it. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. So good. It. It's on Disney Plus. You don't have to have like a special BBC America subscription or anything. Just go watch it on Disney Plus um, and come see us. Um, and I will say, as I always do, Until Doctor Strange loses the baby, make mine marvel. For Hell's Kitchen. For Stan. For Asgard. (laughs) 